the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. In an era of chaos, confusion, and craziness, Ference is a voice for common sense. As a financial literacy educator, speaker, and entrepreneur, Ference cuts through the noise to help us understand how current events affect our money, economy, and our freedom. Now, here's Ference Toth. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and, well, Congress has done it again. You know, they just authorized spending, they say, another $4 trillion of additional deficit spending. That means they're going to spend $4 trillion in the next couple of years over and above what they're receiving in terms of uh, tax revenues, which are at all-time, all-time highs. So my point, and it, it gets worse than this. So the situation, you know, as you know, I'm a fiscal, fiscally responsible person. And I've been calling for fiscal responsibility for our government for literally decades. This is something that has frustrated me for a very, very long time. And what what is so incredibly infuriating about this latest uh, debt ceiling agreement is they say they've agreed to another $4 trillion in spending over the next two years. But the more ominous issue I have is there's an uncapped debt ceiling with an expiration date. You know, what is it? January 2025, I guess. No, there's uncapped debt ceiling. That means that our government could spend literally however however much it wants to. And we have a Democratic president who can't just spends money like a drunken sailor, current administration. We have the Senate who is in charge, you know, Democrats are in charge, who love to spend money. We have the Republicans are are barely in charge of the House. But like a lot of people say, here's the thing, with, with, uh, with Republicans like these, who needs Democrats? We have enough Republicans who are not conservatives, certainly not fiscal conservatives by any stretch. Because they voted for this bill, uncapped. Think about that. It's like if you had a credit card. Okay, there there are credit cards that exist out there, like a American Express, I think, black card, where you have an unlimited spending limit. And those are given out to a very select group of people, small, small group of people, who American Express figures can afford to pay whatever they charge. Very, very few people get to take advantage of that, yet our government seems to think they can do that too. And it's spending our money. That's the part that's so ridiculous and infuriating and frustrating. You know, this uncapped debt ceiling, they they weren't even able to make any cuts. There's no cuts in spending. In fact, the amount of spending that they're, they're doing is freezing at the bloated 2023 spending levels, which is, in essence, the COVID levels, you know, COVID increases. You understand the, the, the budgets, the amount of money that the, our government spent 
during the COVID years was about almost 50% more than they did in previous years. And the government today is 40% larger than it was a couple of years ago. You know, how many of you out there have had a 40% increase in your income in the last couple of years? Our federal government does, or has chosen, I should put it this way, to spend that kind of money. And the other things that are frustrating about this debt ceiling deal, and and if you haven't been able to tell, I am really, really deeply unhappy about this. No cuts. All the freeze in spendings to take it back to 2022 levels is gone. They're going with the 2023 levels, which again is like 40, 50% more, okay? There is no clawback, zero clawback of the 1.2 trillion uh, giveaways that were was part of the uh, Inflation and Reduction Act, which of course did nothing, was not an Inflation Reduction Act a- at all. In fact, it, it contributed to inflation. The other things, 98% of the ex- expanded IRS monies was kept in place. They reduced it by 2%. Now, the, the IRS is already getting plenty of money. This was the additional money to hire the estimated 87,000 new IRS agents. Folks, that means they're going to be able to do all that. And the audits, it's already been proven. Audits are far higher for the middle class and minorities and people like that. In other words, the people that are less less able to fight an audit. What do you think is going to happen to audits? I mean, let's use a little bit of common sense here. I don't care what anybody says. I don't care what the IRS says, the politicians, or anybody else for that matter. What do you think is going to happen when you have an army, I mean literally an army, of new IRS agents in addition to what's already there? We're talking a, a, a major football stadium of IRS, new IRS agents, additional, over and above. What, one of the deeply frustrating things about this debt ceiling agreement is the Republicans, quote unquote, were, were stating that they were going to shut, you know, they were going to cut back or claw back that IRS expansion, that there was no reason to hire so many different IRS agents to go after the American people and, and create more audits. But guess what? They didn't do anything about that. They also said they were going to stand on work requirements for Medicaid and things like that. Nope, none of that. In other words, the government's going to continue to pay people not to work. I call it bribery. It's the Democratic Party bribing people for votes. I mean, I don't understand how it can be looked at any other way than that. Okay, they're just buying votes. And again, that's going to continue. There's no border security, nothing involved with that. And like I stated earlier, um, I, I heard somebody quote this. It was, with Republicans like these, who needs Democrats? And they're right. And in fact... This was supposedly the McCarthy-Biden deal, okay, debt ceiling agreement. Yet both in the House and Senate, more Democrats voted for this than Republicans, to be fair. But unfortunately, a significant number of Republicans on both both houses did vote for this. So a majority vote. Again, there's no fiscal responsibility whatsoever. And as far as, as a deal, and far, you know, the... The uh, Freedom Caucus had uh, negotiated. The House had passed a bill that had had pulled back spending back to 2022 levels and then a 1% increase beyond that. I mean, I I still thought that was an okay deal. wasn't all that great, but at least it was a step in the right direction to some degree. This is way beyond worse than that. It takes it to the 2023 levels, like I said, which is like 40% higher. So the spending is going to be like 40% higher, 
and then going to continue to grow from that. And we have uncapped, we have an uncapped debt ceiling. That that that's the one that just I I can't believe it. Where conservatives got screwed, and the, the I I don't understand McCarthy. You know, I I had some hope that you know he was saying the right things, and he seemed like he had the. Uh, had the leverage and, and and it looked like things were going to go his direction and then it's it's like it's like you're winning the game you're you're a football game and you're winning the game and you're driving for the winning touchdown that's what it felt like and you're on the one yard line and you're getting ready to drive it in and, and score the winning touchdown and you punt I see nothing here for fiscal conservatism or or um, fiscal responsibility at all I see nothing in this bill positive from a financial responsibility standpoint. And that's why I even heard like Ron DeSantis, others are saying, our country's headed to bankruptcy before this debt ceiling um, problem. And the reason we got a debt ceiling problem is not because a, a, a revenue problem. Again, the government's been receiving all-time record revenues. It's a spending problem. It's like if you have a credit card and you maxed out your credit card. Okay, well, they just upped it another 40%. Well, they just un- gave themselves an unlimited credit card. You, you maximize your debt, you maximize your credit cards, and you're headed towards bankruptcy, and you increase your spending by another 40% and give yourself an unlimited credit card on top of that? Folks, I don't see any other direction now at this point, barring a miracle, that this country is not going to be going into bankruptcy. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, don't see, I don't see any other way. And what do, what do I predict going forward? I'm sorry about being so negative here, but... I'm just looking at the facts. I'm looking at the numbers. And I don't trust Congress now with an unlimited credit card for the next two years. Are you kidding me? I mean, come on, man. That's ridiculous. What do I what do I what do I predict gonna happen? I think it's pretty obvious. I think any reasonable person should be able to understand that you maximize your, your debt like this and we're gonna see more. What's going to happen? It's, it's pretty straightforward. We're going to have higher inflation for longer. We're going to have higher interest rates for longer. We're going to have a bigger recession for longer. I believe, personally, we're already in a recession. We'll find out. They'll, they'll define it at some point going forward. A, a, a recession, again, is defined by two negative quarters of GDP. But by the time it's officially uh, you know, announced... It's already over or been, you know, it's well, well, you know, well on its way, if you know what I'm saying. I don't see any way around it. Inflation primarily is being caused by too much government spending. And the government has just increased spending to levels, I mean, they were already spending to levels unseen before, and then doubled down on that and added, like I said, about 40% more and gave themselves an unlimited credit card. I don't know what's going to happen. I, 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 I just... I really, I, it, it's fr- so frustrating. The only solution I see here is the American people have to wake up. Our representatives are not representing us, or the majority of us, and we keep, you know, if, if someone voted for this, if your representative voted for this, you need to pay attention, and the next election that comes around, vote the bum out. That person is doing nothing but spending your and my money and driving this country right off the cliff to bankruptcy. And that, you know, there, there's no other way about it. I just can't, I'm not going to mince words here. Yeah, I know you're hearing things that are, this is great and that's great. Okay, fine, whatever. I don't believe, 
I don't trust Congress. I just don't. And I'm frustrated beyond frustrated, okay? I can't believe that it looked like something positive was going to happen, and of course, it didn't. And it, even, it got even worse, okay? There's some reasons behind it, and maybe that a lot of people haven't realized. I'm going to t- discuss some of those things and um, you know, discuss some more things, what we should do going forward. If you want to contact me on how to navigate higher interest rates, higher inflation for longer, your personal bank can help you offset, offset that. So contact me. I'm going to encourage you to do that. Stay tuned in the next segment. We're going to share some other reasons why Congress did what they did. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and if you, if you were listening to the last segment, you know I am beyond frustrated, and I'm frustrated with our Congress. This debt ceiling agreement that the House and Senate had voted on and passed, and I just the parts that really bug me. I mean, just incredible, just really rub me under, get under my skin is. The level of spending, they didn't pull back to the 2022 levels prior to COVID. They went to the 2023 levels, which is about 40% higher. They gave themselves an uncapped debt ceiling for the next two years, which it's a it's an unlimited credit card, folks. How much are they going to actually spend? They say another $4 trillion. That's going to be bad enough. We have, what, $32 trillion in debt roughly right now? That means we're in two years, we'll have $36 trillion is what they're telling us. We're going to have, but <laughs> if you believe that, I've got a bridge to sell you in Arizona, okay? Oceanfront property, because I just do not believe Congress will hold themselves to the $4 trillion. they got an unlimited debt ceiling cap, unlimited credit card. Why should they hold themselves to whatever limits? That's the part that, Josh, I can't believe it, that this would be passed, and any Republican at all hardly would vote for something like this. More, more Democrats than Republicans, but we've all, we all know they like to spend more money. Democrats tend to like to spend money more than Republicans. But the reality is we've got too many Republicans that are not fiscally conservative. There are too many representatives, about two-thirds of them total, that are just not fiscally responsible at all, one shape or iota. Our country is driving off the cliff towards bankruptcy, spending far more money than it has. Some of the stuff that's getting spent on is incredibly, I mean, incredibly wasteful and stupid. I mean, I've seen things like um, there was a study for cats on treadmills in Russia. I'm not kidding, folks. Our money is going to pay for stuff like that. There is so much money going out that the government has a hard time even keeping track of it. I shared in a previous show where the, the, the Pentagon had a $3 billion accounting error last year. $3 billion with a B, accounting error. There is so much money flowing into the government that's being wasted, and they just increased what they're going to spend and gave themselves an unlimited credit card. How can this not be bad fiscal news? And, of course, the excess government spending is in large part why we have the inflation we have. And that's another reason why it just... it. It just galls me because you have these you have these uh, illegal immigrants. That's what they are. They're coming across as illegals. Look, I'm first generation. My dad was a legal immigrant. I'm half Hungarian. He escaped the Soviets. He, he did it the right way. He got his citizenship. He did all those things. And I can tell you this. You talk to anyone who's a legal immigrant 
or first generation, and they do not like Im- illegal immigration. They think it's un- it's ninety nine percent of them. They do not think it's fair. It's not right, and they they or their family did it the right way, like my dad did. Okay, so I have I I have some. I know a lot of immigrants, okay? We'll put it that way. Every single one of them I know feels the same way, strongly. And these people are coming in and our government is giving them giving them laptop or, you know, whatever, phones or giving them housing and food, all those kinds of things. And yet the American citizens, the people are struggling through inflation because our government's spending too much money. And it's spending too much money on a lot of really, really stupid things and wasteful things. And here's another one that's frustrating to me. Look, I served in the military, and I believe in a strong defense. But you have some a senator like Lindsey Graham. This is part of the reason why the deal turned out to be so bad. He was absolutely adamant that there was not going to be any reduction in defense spending. In fact, he wanted an increase in defense spending in this debt ceiling deal. Now, that, that takes some of the bargaining chip away, to be fair, from from McCarthy and all those kinds of things. Although I think he just gave away the whole store because the reality is I see nothing. I see nothing that fiscally responsible people would would want in this debt ceiling deal. I, he gave up everything he said he was going to go for. And the and the the bill that was passed in the house, the spending the the taking the spending back to the 2022 levels and the 1% increase uh for 10 years per year increase, which is actually no cuts, folks. None. It was a 1% increase. Look, I didn't think it was all that great, but it was better than what our government been doing. But again, they just jumped their spending 40% and gave themselves an unlimited credit card, like I said earlier. No debt ceiling limit. That's nuts. That's totally nuts. But this Senator Graham, I've had it with people like this. He's all for Ukraine and, and give, supporting Ukraine and Ukraine and Ukraine. And, and, and it's constantly, you know what? I think the guy's bought and paid for by the defense industry. That's what I believe. It's that simple because that's all he wants to do is increase spending. You know, when you have when the Pentagon last year had a three billion dollar accounting error, you do not deserve an increase in funding. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are, including the Department of Defense. Get your financial house in order first, man. I I hope. I just hope and pray. I, I just I hope this wakes people up. Something's got to. Something is. It's not waking up our representatives. Not enough of them, at least. Again, about two thirds of them voted for it. More Repo- Democrats and Republicans, to be fair, but still, far too many Republicans voted for this ridiculous debt ceiling bill. Yeah, it was just ridiculous. I'm sorry. I I don't know how how else to put it. So um, yeah. I'm frustrated. I'm beyond frustrated, okay? Because every time, and I guess part of the reason why I'm frustrated is is every time you get your hopes up a little, just a little bit, and it looked like in the negotiations and all that, like I said, it looked like McCarthy, I mean, he was saying all the right things, right? You want to believe what somebody says. You know, there was going to be work requirements. They were going to cut back spending. They were going to cut back the IRS. Yeah, they did, 2%. Not even the original budget, but 2% of the additional money to hire all the 87,000 new IRS agents. They cut back 2% of that. The IRS has got 98% of that. I, I, I don't even know what to say. How do you negotiate? When you go in saying that's one of your big things, you're going to cut back, 
You're not going to allow the IRS to hire all these new agents to go, come after the American people and audit them. And that's what they're going to do. I'm sorry. If you don't believe that, man, you're in la-la land. Okay? That's one of your main key things you're going into the negotiation stating here to do. And work requirements for people receiving Medicare. Think Medicaid. Stuff like this, right? And you come out of it and you get a 2% reduction. You give, and those you give 98%. How do you negotiate like that? How does anyone negotiate like that? And the work requirement thing, forget it. That's out the window. Didn't do anything there for Medicaid like they said they were going to or like McCarthy said he was going to. I don't believe a word the guy says anymore. I just, you know, had it with him. I know. I'm sorry. I, I just, I'm so frustrated when I sit, I think about these things. And I look at what's going on and, again, got my hopes up thinking, hey, maybe they'll actually seem like McCarthy had Biden over a barrel. I mean, he was, you know, he refu Biden refused to negotiate for like three months. He, did, they did, he didn't think that the House could pass anything. That's why. He thought they were too fractured. They actually came together and actually passed something that was not great, but halfway decent for once. And McCarthy goes in and negotiates all this. And completely negotiates it away. I mean, completely and totally. He got nothing. The Democrats got everything. The only thing I can think of. I mean, this isn't negotiate. This is hor horrid, horrid negotiating. There are no negotiating skills whatsoever. Either McCarthy was just lying through his teeth. I don't know. Or just didn't believe anything he was saying. Or he's bought and paid for. That that could be, you know, just, you know, he got, he was bought and paid for, right? A lot of representatives are, let's face it, okay? They're just follow the money. I say this all the time. That's a very, li very likely um, scenario. Or maybe the worst, you know, which is, we know this happens too. He's just nothing but a wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing. He's not a, he's not a, a Republican at all. He's not fiscally responsible at all. And I know a lot of Republicans run as conservatives and they tout their conservative values and stuff, but then you see their voting records and it's horrid. In other words, they're just flat lying. They're, they're presenting themselves as one thing and they're, while they're actually another. I said this often. I, I disagree with Bernie Sanders on almost every position he takes. I think the guy is dead wrong. He loves socialism. He loves communism. I mean, and he admits it. Okay, so it's not like it's a, it's a, it's no big secret. But the one thing I respect about the guy is at least he's honest. He 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 admits what he is. That I that I can respect. What I don't respect is somebody who portrays themselves as a conservative, as a physical fiscal response, fiscally responsible, and and all these things. And they say the the things that you want them. I guess that's being a politician. I understand that to a degree, but they they say the things that you they think they they the voters want to hear, right? And then just turn around and I mean, like I said, with this McCarthy deal, not even try. I mean, there is nothing here that he got. The Democrats got everything they wanted, and they've admitted that themselves. There's a number of Democrats who've come out and say, basically stated their happiest clams. They said, we got everything we wanted. This was like game, set, and match for them. There's bad deals. There's tough situations. But this is horrid. How did McCarthy get absolutely, totally rolled by the Biden administration? I just don't understand that.
bought and paid for, or he's just not what he says or pretended to be or portrayed himself to be. That's uh, the only only conclusion I can come to. I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned. Look, we're going to have higher inflation, you know, all that kind of stuff for longer. If you want to navigate this, that, contact me. Stay tuned in the next segment. We're going to talk about some other things. Stay tuned for more common sense from Ferens. For more information, contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferens Toth. Want more information? Contact Ferens at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. Now back to the show with Ferens Toth. Welcome back to your personal bank show. This is Ference, and uh, yes, I have been frustrated today. I've been discussing the debt ceiling agreement. There is everything in in it for the Democrats who want to spend more money. As far as I can tell, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, in this deal for anyone who is fiscally responsible. They're increasing the spending. They say, quote unquote, by an additional four trillion dollars in the next couple of years, which will put our our total national debt supposedly around $36 trillion. Um, but they also gave themselves an unlimited credit card. So I don't know what it's going to be. I don't trust them at all. So this could be the beginning of the end fiscally for this country, which is frankly headed towards bankruptcy. Uh, I believe austerity measures are in their future. And I'm not in the distant future anymore. I believe they're going to be far sooner. Okay, that's the reality. I believe we're going to have higher inflation for longer. Because the government is spending so much money with an unlimited credit card, who knows how much in the next couple of years, which means I'll have higher, higher in, in interest rates for longer. I don't think any of this is good news financially. I think diversification is going to be importantly, extremely important in going forward. Having some safety, some guarantees. Higher interest is going to be good for dividends and uh, interest-sensitive interest, uh, assets. Your personal bank is 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 one of those. And look, here's thing, something you need to understand, folks. My frustration with the government spending far too much money and having far too much debt and just continuing to increase that at an increasing rate, by the way, not only, I mean, that's bad for our country, but I want you to understand something. Your personal bank is going to shine. Dividends are going to be higher. Returns are going to be higher. Tax-free guarantees, those are all going to be strengths and those are going to be things that will get better and stronger and, and, and more popular and more in demand as the economy struggles, as interest rates stay high, as inflation continues to stay high. You know, these these policies were paying dividends and you know, the double digits back in the 70s, to give you an idea. I don't know if we're heading back to that, but be frank, frankly, folks, I wouldn't be surprised. I will say this, it's certainly more likely now then we're going to see a 1970s type of inflation scenario going forward than before this debt ceiling agreement. Because again, you they have an unlimited credit card. What do you think they're going to do? What I recommend to people works all the time. Here's the thing I want you to understand. Positive arbitrage, keep creating positive cash flow, reducing your taxes, creating diversification makes sense all the time. But it becomes even more popular and more in demand when things are tough, interest rates are high, returns are tough in other areas, economy struggling. And I, and I believe as government spends more and more money, that's exactly what is going to happen as a threat of bankruptcy and various things like that or austerity measures or whatever that may be. Look, folks, 
I believe, here's what I, I believe this. I believe what the government this has done in passing this debt ceiling agreement and giving themselves an unlimited debt ceiling. I was like, you spend an unlimited amount of money over the next two years. I believe is worse. And I'm going to repeat this. I believe that is worse than if they had allowed, allowed a default. And I mean that. And I'm saying that from a fiscal a fiscal standpoint. And a lot of people say, oh, if things defaulted, you know, a government country's never defaulted. That'd be catastrophic. That'd be chaos. That'd be all these things. Yeah, there might, there certainly there would be some economic pain. I'm not arguing that point if, if our country defaulted. But here's the thing I want you to understand, folks. By spending far more, that means when the crash does happen, and I believe the crash now is going to happen far sooner than it would have if we had pulled back some. It certainly would have bought more time or would have reduced, you know, 1% increased growth, for example, would have allowed our country to GDP to catch up over time and the situation would not have been nearly as severe. By doing what they've done, I believe they're creating, they're going to create a chaos, economic chaos, sooner and worse than without doing it. And every economic bone in my body, every everything you understand about financials tells you that. You know this. You spend too much money. You take on too much debt. And you can't pay it back. And the interest keeps growing and growing and growing. It means bad things. Bad things happen economically. Economic pain occurs. And it's going to occur coming going forward. And it's going to happen sooner rather than later now. Because of what this debt ceiling agreement did. Allowed unlimited spending. Unlimited debt. No debt ceiling. Unlimited debt. Bottom line. So what I was trying to say, I got off track there a little bit. What I'm trying to say is what I recommend to people, again, works all the time, but is even more popular. Frankly, I'll probably do more business because the government's spending more money and will have higher inflation and worse economic situations and all that. So from a personal standpoint, I will, I will, I know this. I've been in this business over 20 years. Okay, I've, this is my third economic cycle. I've seen, I've seen. This will be my third recession, if you will, in my career. This is my 23rd year or so. I've always done more business when the econo- economics, uh, you know, gets worse because people are looking for safe havens. Dividends go up. They're di- insured. They're guaranteed. Tax free. All that good stuff. I get busier. I have more people contact me. And personally, I do more business. Economically, I do better. I'm not, I mean, if I was selfish, I would be happy about this. I'm not. I love this country. It's part of how I was raised. It's how I've lived my life. It's what I believe in. It's my life experience. I've shared this so many times before. But again, my dad escaping the Soviets and coming to this country as a legal immigrant, as a political refugee, and did it all, did it the right way, became a citizen. He loved this country. And he instilled that. In, I guess he instilled some of that in me, is what I'm trying to say. I'm first generation. And it's hard for me to shake that because it gave him a new opportunity for, for, for freedom, for him and his family. His, me, I appreciate that. I truly do. And I think anybody that's gone through that or their family's gone through that understands what I'm trying to say. And look, I served in the U.S. Army. And I did partly because I love this country. And I loved, wanted to support freedom. And I did it for some other reasons too. Get some money for college, things like that. 
But I wouldn't have done it just for that. I did it partially, and most people who serve in the military, I think you ask them, you'll, I think you'll get a lot of the same answer. It's because they feel like they, they maybe not so much recently, but you want to give something back. You, you appreciate the freedoms and, and the opportunities that were given to you, and you want to perpetuate that for others and continue that. It's like it's giving back, right? It's like a, almost like a charitable kind of thing. You know what I'm trying to say? So I, I do. I love this country. I love the opportunities that this country has given so many people so many generations for for so long it's been the land of opportunity for a couple you know a couple hundred years right and i love that and it makes this country a unique place you don't have those that opportunity anywhere else where you can come and start over and start fresh and have opportunity to do something now i understand there's a lot of things that are going down the tubes are changing we'll put it that way it's getting harder and harder to see that but i want you to understand my heart here my frustration, where it's coming from. Why am I so frustrated? It's because I know people are going to get hurt. I know they're, I see it already. I see people getting hurt economically. And I see the stress that it causes in families. When you're having a hard time making ends meet. Or you can't live the life. I understand how hard it is to go from one lifestyle to something less. See, human beings, we, we can, we expand really well. We can move up. We can, we, it's amazing how we can move into a larger home or a nicer car or anything like that. And we can adapt to that quite easily. Going back is so much harder. And, and I experienced that also. See, my dad was an engineer, an acoustical engineer and well-paying job. We were definitely upper middle class and we lived on a lake, a house on the lake, you know, the, the, quintessential, you know, American dream, right? We're on an acre, on an acre, it was beautiful, the whole thing. And uh, my dad died in a drowning accident when I was young. My mom was a school teacher, but at the time she had three kids. I was the oldest, I was seven, and she was oldest of three kids. She had to go back to school, get her master's degree and all that kind of stuff, so she, she could make some more money teaching just to pay the bills, to make ends meet. And we moved onto a farm and we raised a lot of our own food so we could eat. So I've, I understand, I've lived it. I understand what it's like to go from a upper middle class lifestyle to barely getting by. I've been there. And I know how hard, you know, how, how hard work there is involved in. And I don't regret the hard work and the lessons that I learned. It, it's part of what made me who I am. And it's part of made me, what, you know, to be successful at what I've done. But I understand how hard it is too. Folks, it wasn't easy. It was not an easy life. And I've seen it in people and clients and I've worked with go from good times to tough times. And I'm seeing more and more of that, the tough times, as inflation continues to eat away at people's buying purchasing power. And now they've got to cut back or downsize or all those kinds of things. And you know what, folks? It's stressful and it ain't no fun. And I'm seeing more and more and more of that. And guess what? This debt ceiling agreement this unlimited, this unlimited ability to spend money that they've given themselves for the next two years, I believe is going to create, create and cause a whole lot of more economic pain for a lot of people. I'm sorry. I don't see it any other way. And that makes me angry. It makes me frustrated because it's so avoidable. We, it's shooting ourselves in the foot. Folks, we need to wake up and replace these people who are not fiscally responsible. Maybe you need to run for office or support somebody who is fiscally responsible, but we have to wake up or we're all going to pay the price and we're all going to pay it soon. Austerity measures, we've seen them in Europe. We're going to see them here soon too. 
if we don't change things really soon. Welcome back to your personal bank show. This is Ference. All right, I've ranted enough about the uh, debt ceiling deal. Let's just say I don't like it, and I am not happy, and I think it's going to hurt a lot of people. It's going to cause a lot of economic pain. We'll see. We'll just see, but I don't trust Congress. Give themselves an unlimited credit card, unlimited debt. I th- I see bad things coming. We're going to see. And look, I'll contact me if you want to diversify. If you agree, uh, you want to be an interest rate sensitive asset, reduce your taxes, have some guarantees, contact me. I'm really going to encourage you to do that because your personal bank will shine through this. That's the thing. It's going to just get better and better if things go the way I think it will. Now, Here's a few other things, and I saw an article on this that I think is very valuable, and this this affects us economically also. We need to understand this. I've discussed a lot about the government spending, you know, being a, a big contributor to inflation, but also the other big one is the energy policies, particularly this current administration. And it's no secret, they're all, all behind the whole green energy thing. But I saw this article, and you know, it's, it's tough. For a lot of people, including myself for a long time, to really understand why some people are the greens, as they call themselves or whatever, are so against certain forms of energy. It's well, it is. It's like a cult, right? It's like a religion. Okay. And the thing is, this article really explains some. It makes sense. Understand your adversary. Sometimes you have to get under the hood and, you know, you got to understand them, right? And and if you can't go up against them or battle against them if you don't really truly understand what their motives are. Where's, you know, let's say, where's their goat tied, right? Get your goat, right? So, like I said, the green idea, the point of this article is, and we'll post it at yourpersonalbank.com just so you know. Title of the article is, Don't Be Fooled, Green Energy is Neither Green Nor Energy. The green idea is really all about minimal human impact. And wind and solar don't fit that definition. I'll give you an example. Like I said, the green energy movement claims it wants cost-effective energy just without fossil fuel pollution or emissions. But this is actually contradicted by its hostility towards clean, non-carbon, nuclear, and hydro, which are actually the most proven alternatives to fossil fuels. You might expect a green energy movement to be the number one supporter of of nuclear and hydroelectric energy, but they're not. They're against it and have been for decades. And in fact, solar and wind are not green. They're not cost-effective at all. They're not reliable. The problem is, if the wind stops blowing or the sun stops shining because it's cloudy, guess what? They go to near zero in terms of generation of power. They become a parasite on the whole system. So the petroleum-based, coal-based, other forms, natural gas, have to step up and fill in the gaps. There's a popular idea out there that we can mostly use solar or wind if we have enough battery backup power. But, of course, that's completely and totally economically absurd. Batteries, at this point, are so expensive. To give you an idea, three days of global backup would cost over $600 trillion currently which is six times the global GDP. The GDP for the entire world is about $100 trillion. It would take six years of the total generation of economic output of the entire world to generate three days of battery power for solar and wind. That's how far out of whack it is in terms of being unreliable and not cost effective. And those are things a lot of people understand. I understood that and how inefficient it is. 
But here's where the part of the article that really kind of got my attention. Oh, oh, one other thing is, and a lot of people know this, sunlight and wind are actually very dilute sources of energy. They're not concentrated like like natural gas or petroleum is. They have a massive economic impact. The amount of land you would have to use, let's say, to put enough solar power panels out to generate enough power to power the you know the world, it would actually take more space than the enti- every single city in the entire world. Of the entire human in- infrastructure, cities, towns, villages, all of them, it would take more space than all of that. If you, di- if you didn't want economic, or, or I should say, environmental impact, you wouldn't want to be building solar panels all over the place, would you? And then that the, there, there you would have footprints for solar and battery mining, manufacturing, all that. And of course, we know that mining is <laughs> has a huge negative environmental impact. Okay. Give you an idea of the greenies out there. Recently, the Biden administration shut down a prime green energy mining site in Minnesota that had many of the rare earth minerals that were needed to generate things like batteries and stuff. But here's the part that really got me, and this is green solar wind aren't really energy. Why do they so enthusiastically support them? They do so to hide the real goal. And here's the real goal of, of the green energy movement. It's to radically reduce energy use overall, period. They don't want energy used. They want us to use less. And that's their real goal. And if you really look into it further, you, it makes a lot of sense. For example, if you go back a few decades, green leaders originally supported nuclear as a, as a cost-effective alternative. But then once it became cost-effective, they started they demonized it and criminalized it and green green leaders also supported natural gas until it became cost effective on a global scale thanks to shale energy tech which they started demonizing it as fracking go back and look they supported nuclear for a while until it became again cost effective they supported natural gas for a while again until it became cost effective in other words the green movement is actually anti energy See, right now, their their enthusiasm they're expressing now is towards fusion. It's because it's not viable yet. And here's the last piece of proof that really, again, got my attention. There's a person called Amory Lovins, who was a leader of the modern uh, green energy movement back in the 1970s. And this is a quote. If you ask me, it'd be a little short of disastrous for us to discover a source of clean, cheap, abundant energy because of what we would do with it. In other words, they don't want the human race to flourish. They want it to. Re- they want to reduce it to pull it, cut it back. They want. They're anti-energy, which means they're anti. They're they're not progressive. I always say progressives are actually regressives. They don't want human beings to progress, uh, grow, or enhance their lives. They want them to pull back and because energy. Cheap, cheap sources of energy is a big part of what's created a lot of the prosperity that exists in the world and what's made our modern world more uh, efficient. I mean, you, let's use this quick, simple example. Think about washing washing machines, right? washing dryers. How, how much more efficient are they are today than even, what, 50 years ago or so where, you know, people had to wash their clothes, you know, and, and dry them on a line. And you had to, you know, had to hand crank, right? A washing machine. How much less efficient was that than the washing machines of today? 
And how much more time did it take? But if you follow the green movement, the anti-energy movement, that's the type of thing they want people to go back to. Using, literally, because look at their actions. And they want people to go back to that because it's they're anti-human. They also, most of these, by the way, green, it's interesting how the, and this isn't in the article, but I've, I just happened to notice this also, is a lot of the people who are into the green energy stuff also talk about there's too many people on earth and we're using too much of the resources and they want a population reduction. Folks, a population reduction is very, very anti-human. Elon Musk has been talking about this a lot where he's been saying, look, we can, you're dead wrong. And they are, because if there were less humans, there would be less innovation. Every time throughout history, it's what it is, is it's discounting human engineer, ingenuity. Necessity is, you know, inspiration for innovation. Do you have a positive view of human ingenuity and that we can create? And if you look out through history, that's exactly what's happened. As more people have come about in this world more and more have been prosperous. Claims for decades that we wouldn't have enough food to feed everybody and all that, yet our, our world is feeding more than ever because we're more efficient. There's there's more, there's just more innovation. It's like thinking that people are just stuck and they'll never innovate and they'll never evolve and they'll never improve. And that's just dead wrong. Elon Musk is right. He's absolutely right about that. And this, and think about this. The next time somebody's into this green stuff, Understand what they're really, really about. They're really, whether they know it or not, they're anti-energy and they're anti-human. They're anti-human progress, progressing to something better and in innovation and improving and, well, just making the world a better place. And they're against all that or don't believe that human beings can get evolve and get better and more efficient, All even though evidence is shown to the contrary over, well, the entire length of human history. It's really sad. It's really sad if you think about it, but it helped me understand. Hopefully this might help you understand a little bit more as why these people are so religiously dogmatic, like a cult, against cheap sources of energy that are efficient. They're really not about green energy. They're about anti-energy. While I don't think it's inevitable that things will continue to get worse, we certainly could see a situation where things get worse and then get better. But to do that, again, the American people, the majority, are going to have to wake up smell the coffee, replace the uh, representatives that we have currently who refuse, absolutely absolutely refuse any sort of fiscal responsibility. If we can get enough of these people replaced, if you can write your, your Congress people, and by the way, they say, that not don't call or email actually write a physically write a letter congressional aides typically say that a letter in their opinion counts as two one to two hundred equal to one or two hundred phone calls or emails so you'll get your message across better i understand it takes more time but it's because of that more likely to get your voice heard it's come down to the point where we need good people, good quality people who are fiscally responsible, who have some common sense. We need these type of people for to run for office. So if you're one of those, consider it. Run for a school board, run for a local state, county, municipality or whatever, or support somebody 
who you know to be a common sense, reasonable person. The majority of people are. You know, I know sometimes it feels like we're not because of the media, legacy media certainly, but the fact is folks, we are in the majority big time. The It's a very small minority of, again, they call them progressives, they're not, they're regressives, but it's a it's a Marxist communist, really. I mean, they're a Marxist uh, folks who who want to see fundamental change. They say it themselves. It's not me saying that. They say this themselves. There's a small minority that are very active in pushing the agenda. The vast majority of people in this country are fiscally conservative and are reasonable, common sense people. They understand common sense. Those are the ones that need to. Take, a, take charge, take action, push the agenda on the conservative side and force the Republicans and the conservative side to do the right thing for our country. Be Force them to represent. And if they don't, vote them out. That's what needs to happen. So I, again, I don't think it's inevitable that things will get worse and stay there. I do believe things will get worse. Certainly this debt ceiling deal does not help for the next couple of years at least. The last thing I want to do here is to discourage somebody to thinking that all hope is lost. The reason I say that and the reason I still have hope for the future, although I've said this repeatedly, I believe the next couple of years is going to be really tough, especially economically. Look, our inflation is hot, you know, historical highs, generational highs. The government is spending record numbers amount of money. That's not changing. Certainly in the next couple of years, the Biden administration is not changing their direction. A hopeless lost cause. We've got to get through this period of time. And yes, it's going to be, uh, I believe, pretty tough for a lot of people. It's going to impact them economically in a very negative way. But the reason why I'm not, I haven't lost all hope, okay, and I don't want you to either, is because of the American people. Tough times creates tough people. It's true, our country has had some really good times for quite a while. That does tend to create softness in human beings. It just does. But those tougher times creates hardy individuals. And this country, if you go through the history of this country and the people that have come here and created this country over the generations, every time the United States is, you seems like it's down and out, uh, almost unique ability of just of coming back stronger than ever. I wouldn't bet against the country. And why I say that, not, it's not the leadership that I'm, I'm betting against or counting on, really. It's the people. And I stated this earlier, and I want... I want this to sink into your head. If you're not off on the deep end, all this crazy woke agenda and all the stuff that's going on, and you want to fundament, if you do not want to fundamentally change this country into a socialist, Marxist utopia, we're in the majority. The vast majority like the land of opportunity. They like capitalism. They want to love their country. I've stated this several times. I unabashedly love my country. And I saw a video very recently that really, I, it was eye-opening. And it was a human behavior video. It was kind of interesting. And it was showing this, uh, it was a bunch of young people. 
I guess they were at a concert. It was like an outdoor concert or whatever. One of the guys, one of the a young man, got up and started dancing, and he was kind of being he was being goofy and all that. And a lot of the students and the young people there were kind of looking at him, and some were laughing and pointing at him and stuff like that. But he kept dancing. He was just having a good time. And after a while, a second person joined him in the dance. It wasn't very long after that third and fourth and fifth person. And all of a sudden, you started having a, quite a few people. And then the next thing you know, almost everybody just started jumping up and joining this guy dancing because, well, frankly, he was just having a great time. And that's human behavior. Most people don't want to be the one standing out. You don't want to stand out like a sore thumb. You might get ridiculed or, or attacked or any of those kinds of things. And so that's just basic human nature. But when the second person joins, and then the third, and the fourth, and the fifth, and so on, that threat of ridicule or being standing out like a sore thumb disappears. And if that person's just having a good time, other people want to join that. And the funny part is, the folks who are conservative, who who believe in family values, and, and they believe in God, they practice fiscal responsibility, and they do love their country, and all those things the patriotic things and all those things that not that long ago was was very common. By the way, it hasn't gone away. It's just, like I said, there's been a lot of propaganda out there. When somebody sees and somebody like, I'm one of those. I just unapologetic. I'm politically incorrect. It's who I am. It's what I believe. I'm not going to change. And I've shared the reasons why earlier in the show even. And I found that some people join. And some might ridicule, some might disagree, whatever. But others join, and then more join, and more join, and suddenly everybody's involved in joining. And that's what I see happening in the future, and that's where my hope for this country lies. If you want to learn how to navigate the tough times that I believe are coming in the short term, contact me, you know, to maximize returns, offset inflation, get positive arbitrage, positive cash flow, reduce your taxes, get some guarantees, diversify, all that, contact me. As always, stay tuned to the Your Personal Bank Show next week. As long as it's on our money, in God we trust. Contact Ference at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. That's 866-268-4422. This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guests of this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Some products discussed may have limitations and not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Dividend rates and bank line of credit rates may change. For current rates, contact Ferenc at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, that's 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.